0: In 1 uh, Chronicles 16, verse eight, I'm, I'm gonna read a few verses from David's Psalms of Thanksgiving, but then I'm gonna move to 1 Samuel, also for, uh, chapter 16 right afterwards. So it says in 1 Chronicles 16, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore, remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. We began a series last week on the life of David. And uh, to this week is also coinciding with our Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, and the Psalm that I just read is one of the Psalms that, J- that David wrote. And uh, we look at David part one, we learned about his background, all the amazing things that had to happen for him to eventually be a king and even to be born. And he was a miracle person. All through the Bible, the entire Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua, Judges, and Ruth are just preparatory that David would be born. Now, David is also just a preparation for somebody more important who will be born later. But the point of the matter is is that God arranged the entire history of the world after the the fall of Adam and Eve to remember and to place a man named David on the throne in Jerusalem. Now David's background though is that he was the eighth son. He was not the oldest. He was not even the second oldest. He was the youngest. But we learned last week that he was a shepherd And he was doing that duty whenever he got called to uh, the meeting and then the Lord anointed him through Samuel to be the king of Israel. And we also learned that David was a musician. And so in this section we're gonna learn today about David the musician and courtier. A courtier is a person who attends the court of a king. And uh, we're going to learn about that. So going back to 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 16, we begin here in verse 14. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, we begin David part two. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Now, some translations say an evil spirit from the Lord, but I'll talk about that in a moment. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, "'and you shall be well.' "'So Saul said to his servants, "'Provide me now a man who can play well "'and bring him to me.' "'Then one of the servants answered and said, "'Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, "'who is skillful in playing, "'a mighty man of valor, a man of war, "'prudent in speech, and a handsome person, "'and the Lord is with him.' "'Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse "'and said, "'Send me your son David,' who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son, David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. And may the Lord bless his word as we've had it read into our hearts today. We read these words and we understand that in David's life, God had prepared his life to be king, but now he's in the preparation stages of being king. You know, you think about it, you think about Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph, God knew that Joseph was gonna be a leader. Joseph was, had dreams that showed that he was going to rule over his family. And he was uh, one of the youngest sons. And, but, but, but to prepare him for that, before he could be high, he had to be very low. And, and that's a very interesting thing how God works. God works oftentimes to build people who are going to be great leaders by showing them how to be great servants. And I think in all fairness, I think that most people in our generation, I think we're kind of lazy when it comes to want to be experiencing all the benefits of leadership. All the benefits of being wealthy and having all the things that the world says are important without paying the dues of knowing that you gotta learn how to serve before you learn how to rule. And I I, I agree with what the the proverb says, that he who rules his own spirit is greater than he who takes a city. Think about that for a moment. Before you can conquer something else, you've gotta conquer yourself. David was a young man who didn't waste his youth. His youth was filled with doing things for God. He spent his time wisely, he worked hard, he was a competitive young man, no doubt about it. That comes through when we read about the resume of David here, but we literally learn that David was a man who wanted to please God. And so he played instruments and he sang and he composed music and wrote these psalms. And I can just imagine those sheep listening to him. Well, he established a, a, rep, a, a reputation. The, the Bible says in the scripture that in Proverbs twenty two twenty nine that a man skilled in his work will stand before kings. That's a promise. And here is David. He was skilled in his work. And guess what, it got him. An audience, not only an audience, but the favor of a king named King Saul. Saul, however, had a problem. God's spirit departed from him. And God calls a, a, a bad spirit to substitute itself for God's good spirit. And the bad spirit that was sent was sent to torment Saul because Saul was a man who had many problems in his life and because God rejected him, because he sinned against God, King Saul was distressed and mentally tormented. However, somebody recommended that maybe what will help you, King Saul, is you need to get some good music in here. Someone's very good at music now, they didn't, didn't have records. They didn't have electricity to play digital songs. Uh, I know that most of us find comfort listening to music. It is a comforting thing to the soul. I think God put an empty place in our hearts so that we would receive music that is yet to be played. And when we hear it, I think it makes people happy and calm. And so God arranged it to where Saul had a need that only David could. Fulfill, And that's exactly what happens. Uh, Some people have a problem with the scripture that says God sent a distressing spirit, an evil spirit. Why would God do that? Well, who is the Lord? Did, Did the Lord not order the demons to do things when he was walking the earth? He told the demons where to go. Did the demons do it? They absolutely did it. So the Lord has power to move any body he wants, wherever he wants, whoever they may be, good or bad, because God is in charge. So the Lord was punishing Saul, but also opening a door for David. And I, I love the resume that David had as a young man. It's pretty impressive. Look at the list of things that it says about him. The first thing it says on the list, a skilled musician. He was skilled, wasn't he? He was. He knew what he's doing. He wrote about half of the Psalms that are in the Bible and he sang them, played the instrument. How many of us have said, oh, I wish I could play the piano. I wish I could play the guitar. I wish, I wish, I wish. David didn't wish it. He just did it, you know, he did it. And the people who do it are always outnumbered by those who wish they did it. Okay, so he's already in a select group by doing it. So we know that part of it. But look at the second thing it says, he was a mighty man of valor. Now that's that's very odd. A, a man of valor is a person who is brave. Now we learn later some of the stories about what he did. He fought off various wild animals with himself and he wasn't Samson, okay? Samson took a lion and tore it in half. I mean, Samson... If you're going to say he was a superhero in the most obvious sense of the term, yes he was. He could do things that were superhuman. Now, David, he did kill a lion, and I think he killed a bear, but he didn't do it with any superhuman ability. He did it with, you know, the old fashioned way of having to fight it, and he did with his weapons that he had. But I don't know about you, but if I don't have a high powered rifle, I mean, I, I still would be scared. If I had a high powered rifle and a polar bear was going at me, I'd, I'd still be scared. And I'd, I'd hope I'd shoot it if I had to, but I would hope the thing worked, you know, because that's, that's scary. And David didn't have this type of weapon. And yet he did succeed. So he's a man of valor. It also says that he's a man of war. Now I don't I can't figure out why they padded his resume this way. I don't know that he what he did. He never fought any battles that I know of, but they said he was a man of war. Now, we know that he loved battles and talking about it. Cuz later on we're going to learn in the story of Goliath that he was just itching to go see the battle. So, we know that he was a young man was competitive with his brothers who were soldiers and probably trained with his friends in battle tactics. And so he had probably won many contests with his friends and established a reputation as being a brave and a a formidable fighter. So I think he had that going for him, even though he was not, in my opinion, had not gone to war, but they call him a man of war. Now, these are true about his life, and they prove true later. So, you know, it's kind of like he was prepared to fight Goliath because he had already prepared to fight anybody who stood in the way of God's people and the Lord. So it says he was a man of war. I like the, the next thing it says. He's prudent in speech. Wow. Now, so far, all these things are impressive. Playing an instrument, that's impressive to me. Being brave and a mighty man of valor, that's impressive. Being skilled in fighting, pretty impressive. But maybe, the so far, the highest praise goes to prudent in speech. How many people who are young people control their tongue? How many people that are older people control their tongue? He was prudent in his speech, it means he was wise. When you're prudent, it means that you are careful what you say. Think about that for a moment. You don't just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You are prudent. A prudent person doesn't spend all of their money on everything. They hold back and are careful. So is a person with their speech. He didn't say everything that came to mind. He didn't down everybody just to down them. He wasn't a person who was a cynic. He was a person who was complimentary of people, appreciative of people, and gave thanks to God a lot. He was prudent in his speech. We're we're now in the season of thanksgiving, and I catch myself saying things that are technically really not true. And we we, we got to catch ourselves on this. I, I hear other people say it, but I know I've said the same thing. Have you ever said, I'm thankful for, and then fill in the blank. Well, that's fine, except for think about what you're saying. You're saying that you are full of things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Does that mean that every word coming out of your mouth is thanks? Does that mean that every opportunity you have to give thanks, you give thanks? Because that's pretty full. You know, I, I, when I pull my trailer with my truck, uh, my gas mileage drops significantly, okay? And it also means that uh, my, my, the hand on my fuel tank, I can actually see it moving. I mean, literally, I can sit there and watch that thing move. That's, that's how much it drinks gas. So I have to be careful that when I'm filling up that tank, I fill up that tank because I might catch myself out there. Uh, I even ran out of gas coming to church one night, but not with my truck, thank God. It was just my little car that gets great gas mileage. But what I'm saying to you is that being full is important. And if you say you are thankful, it means you are full of thanks. It's like a word that we just use, like, how are you doing? All right. Whoa, man! I want to know your secret. You know, you're all right. Everything's all right in your life. Everything is just perfectly all right. Whoa! I can't say that honestly. I can't say it's always all right. But boy, we say it all the time. All right. Um, uh, okay is probably a better thing to say because it just is a word that maybe says, eh, you know, I'm 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 okay." But all right. Mm. I don't know, well, that's good if you are all right. But we all have something we could say that uh, we're not all right in, we need to get right here, we need to get right there. So I'm saying to you is that these words, being thankful is a command. We should be full of thanks, but to be full of thanks, you got to start with just giving thanks and give thanks again, and give thanks again over and over, like the Count Your Blessings song. You know, you give thanks to God. Oh, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. Pretty soon, you're gonna be pretty full of thanks, and that's what being thankful is all about. It's not saying you're thankful, it's saying thanks. Say thanks to the Lord, and thankful to people too. Say thanks to people for what they do for you. Give thanks to people, nothing wrong with it. Giving thanks is what God wants us to do. Being prudent in speech means we watch what we say and we say the truth in what we say. So if people hear me thank God when something's going on, good or bad, then that's a witness to the Lord. That's an easy witness. The Bible says giving thanks is a sacrifice and an offering to the Lord. That doesn't seem like too much to do. Think about it. Yet the Bible describes giving thanks as a offering to the Lord. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to go slaughter some animal on an altar to give an offering to the Lord. I, I simply need to take time and give thanks to God. Now I do think David was a thankful person. He was full of thanks. He, he, he really did spend effort in thanking and praising God, but he's one of the best people to thank God without even using the word thanks. If you read most of his Psalms, he doesn't always use the word thanks. And yet you read those Psalms and you can't help but say, What's he doing? He's bragging on the Lord. (laughs) He's bragging on the Lord. And when you brag on the Lord and you keep bragging on the Lord and you keep saying, Lord, you did this, Lord, you did that, and you show appreciation to the Lord and look at the amazing things God does, and boy, he has a lot of that. That's saying thanks without even saying the word because you're giving God the credit. You're giving God the credit. And David was a man who gave God the credit. As a young man, He was prepared for life because he was prudent in his speech and his words honored God. One good thing we can all do this week is let's thank God more than we complain to him. I mean, literally, just start keeping a little register and say, okay, I'm gonna complain. (laughs) I know I'm gonna complain about something. Frustration is not a sin. So, and Jesus got frustrated. So we know frustrations happen, but give thanks to God more than you complain about everything else. That's important. That's a good start. And that's something we all can do, giving thanks to the Lord. David's gonna have a hard time in his life. Many things are gonna go uh, against him, but he's still gonna give God the glory. He's prudent in speech. And it says also, he was a handsome person. You know, he, he, he presented himself well. He was a person who did not in any way look bad to people. And so that, that was something that was a positive on a resume. I mean, let's face it, uh, if you, you have a resume and you got a, a, a voice for radio, no, a face for radio, you know what that means. <laughs> you know, they used to say that about things. Uh, some of the people I'd listened to that said, yeah, I have a face for radio, uh, not for TV. Well, I will say this. It's a positive in society to look good, but that one I think is minimal. It certainly doesn't matter that much, but it was something true of David and it was something God was not really worried about, but it was mentioned. But by far, the greatest thing on the resume for him was in verse 18, the very last words of 1 Samuel 16, 18, it said that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. I believe that if you're walking with the Lord and he's walking with you and looking out for you, you want that in your life. Everything else, whether you're handsome, whether you always say the right thing, whether you can fight, whether you're brave, or even if you're not even a skilled musician, if the last thing is true, it's the greatest thing to be true. Because if the Lord is with you, you've got somebody who's gonna protect you and who can be against you. If God is for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? So you're guaranteeing success by having the Lord with you. This Thanksgiving season, we need to remember that of all the great things David had in a resume, and those are all good things, he was a man who walked with the Lord and the Lord walked with him. That is a beautiful thing. And that's something that we should strive for more than anything. And that's why David was full of thanks to God for what God did for him. I heard a story of uh, of a brother and a sister got locked out of the house, and I didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't have a way to get into the house, and so the sister went up to the lock and said, "Lock, you're such a good-looking lock. You you're so you you treat us so well, and we just hope that you lock will open the door and uh, let us in." And magically, the lock opened, and the brother said, "How did you get the?" the lock open. And she said, communication, communication is the key. So uh, that's how it worked. You know, communication is the key. Well, communicating with God is the key. (laughs) Being right with God in your communication, letting him know what you need, when you need it. There's no shame in that. Well, after they uh, reported to Saul that there's this guy who can fulfill the need. What does David, what does Saul do? He says, well, go get him, bring him in. And sure enough, uh, when Jesse heard that his son was required to go serve the king, well, Jesse uh, sends several gifts to King Saul as a gesture. Nothing wrong with that, and uh, so, David came to Saul in verse 21. He stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. So David became a, an assistant and he he learned how things operated in a court. Uh, if you read history, you realize that it's not all the king doesn't do everything. In fact, most of the things that get done are done by the people surrounding the king. And so David is going to live for a period of time working with in certain seasons of the year, he's gonna work with the king and the people attending the king. He is going to gain valuable information. He's going to learn how things get done in a court. He, look, he's the eighth son, he's out here living in, in the country, watching sheep, and now he's watching a shepherd of the people himself, the king of Israel. Wow, that's quite an elevation. And he is being put in a place where he absolutely learns how things get done. That's valuable because it'll serve him well later in life. And you see, God has a way of putting us in positions of service so that later on, we are prepared to serve in a different way. And that's what God did for David here. David learns about how things operate. He learns how things are organized. He learns and he continues to play his music. It says in verse number uh, 22, then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So by the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people, and David is praising God, and the evil spirits have to leave, have to get out of the way, and Saul's moods start getting better because the evil's being driven out by the godly music and the environment that God is creating in the presence of Saul. Now God's spirit was upon David, and because David was serving God, he had a positive effect upon those who were around them. Uh, there's so many people. I've, I've worked in the workforce for decades, and I'll tell you what: negative people they don't either. They don't they don't stay around very long because they're always telling everything wrong about somebody else, and they're always down in the, the boss. They're always down in the boss. You, you know what, that did you know that when you start downing the boss all the time, the boss, that, that gets back to the boss. <laughs> it gets back to amazing, isn't it? And uh, I find it so true that being negative, now some people are negative and they stay for a while and they get rid of the boss. <laughs> that happens too. But, because there's bosses that are negative. Well, in this case, David is positive and he's got a very negative boss, Saul. But he's positive. And God is using David not to bring Saul down, but rather to comfort Saul, even though Saul doesn't deserve it. And if we could live our lives not worried about the people who are above us that are not doing right, but instead we would do what's right and being a a help to people all around us, I believe that's a godly thing to do. So in in part two of David's life, we're learning that David is now elevated to a higher rank of people and in a circle that's certainly elevated above where he was, but he's not wasting that time and he is helping people in serving them and serving the king. So I take you back to our first Psalm that I read from 1 Chronicles the part of it that said, oh, give thanks to the Lord. This was a Psalm of David. Now this happened after the Lord had delivered uh, his enemies to him and David had had arrived uh, in a position of power. But he does say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Call upon the name of the Lord, so important. We should call upon him by name. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. We need to tell people, hey, God did something here. I, I, I have no real desire to go to India, for instance. For years, I've traveled the world in different times. I've traveled many, three continents and all the states of America, several, uh, probably half the provinces of Canada. I've been overseas and traveled extensively there. However, I will say to you, I've not really had much influence in, in, in desire to go to India for various reasons, but I've been watching about the people who live there and some people who do travel there. And it breaks my heart because I worry about these people who have all these beautiful, colorful temples, and they have all of these beautiful, colorful clothing, and in many ways, the people there live a more decent life morally than people in our own land, I have to say to our shame. But I feel bad for them because They have these different religions, but they're not calling upon the name of the Lord. And they need Jesus like everybody else. Everybody needs Jesus. At what point did we just say as Christians, well, that's their way and we have our way? Well, the Bible says there's only one way and that's through Jesus Christ. They need the Lord like we need the Lord. Someone years ago spoke to our ancestors and converted them to Christ and we were fortunate enough to live in a land where we heard the news of Christ. What about those who don't know? They need to hear as well. I say this is that we need to make known his deeds among the peoples. We need to sing to him, sing psalms to him. Many of, of your hymn books are filled with psalms that have been put to music. Talk of all his wondrous works. <laughs> uh, Well, you mean like healing the blind and the lame and the diseased and the dead and calming the seas and turning the water to wine? Yeah, like that. Tell about what he did for people. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. We need to understand that joy comes from seeking the Lord. Seek the Lord. Don't seek things, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore and remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Well, what are his judgments? It's what he said you need to do in certain situations. Have you, if you're worried about what you're doing in life and decisions that you're needing to make, and if you don't know what to do, the greatest thing you can do is get wisdom because, and the Bible's filled with God's wisdom. He'll tell you how to make good judgments. He'll show you and when you know his judgments, you'll, you'll like be protected from so many bad decisions. And what a wonderful story. This week is a week of thanks. We give thanks to the Lord, we praise the Lord, but let's remember that David as a young man pleased the Lord And then he was elevated to a position of service in a kingly court. And then he honored the Lord in that place and helped people. We should develop our own skills. We should be improving our own skills, serving as many people as possible, and establish ourselves as a good reputation among our communities. And we should become people like David who who walk with the Lord and he walks with us. Let's bow our heads to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the life of David and thank you that, that he had this great reputation as a young man. Thank you that you placed him in a position of importance and influence. And Lord, you were preparing him so that when he became a king, he could do a good job also. But Lord, he was just a man. He's not any different than we are in that sense and we all need your help. So please encourage us today to seek you and to honor you and to walk with you. And would you please make this Thanksgiving season a time of great, great thanks. And and that when we say to people we are thankful, Lord, let, let us truly be full of thanks and not just be given an empty word just to get credit. So Lord, thank you for all you do for us and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.